with all of that, obviously our summer series and what we've been doing, I think Joy was speaking about rest last week and then yet we're going into the craziest busy, you know, week of the year. So it's like, you know, a bit counterproductive. But two weeks ago I spoke on, I really felt like the Lord wanted to, just to touch on the topic of resilience. And I remember as I was reflecting on just some of the things I felt like God was speaking, he reminded me and I shared this two weeks back. And Tell them they look great. The present. And you can listen to the, the podcast if you know how to get to that, but Oh. Okay, that's good. <laughs> that's good. <laughs> Not too much chatting. <laughs> well, <laughs> welcome to our uh, second in the series of the summer series at Journey. It's my pleasure to be here chatting with you this morning. I think most of you know who I am. I see maybe one or two fresh faces. So for those of you who don't know who I am, my name is Joy. I lead prayer ministry here at Journey Down Patrick. I am a nutritional therapist by day and an avid crocheter and dog lover and chocolate connoisseur by night or something, something along those lines. And I've calculated roughly that one of these Sundays is my year anniversary of joining Journey Down Patrick. So... This is a nice, a nice gift. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> this is a nice gift. <laughs> um, okay, shall we pray really quickly? Father, I thank you so much for your presence this morning. We prayed this morning in pre-service prayer that you're, we would feel you moving through the aisles this morning, um, through all of the chairs, just touching lives in the way that you want to. Father, we pray that you would just come um, in this moment and just bring your incredible rest in Jesus' name. Amen. So for those of you who weren't here last Sunday, Thomas talked about resilience and running the long run with the Lord. And he split it up into great points, but he didn't quite get to his last point, uh, which was rest. And I felt like it was so important. And even before I had heard Thomas's talk last week, I knew that I wanted this morning to be somewhat of a family morning. I wanted it to be orientated around rest and his presence and focusing on his presence. So this morning's about rest. And as Zoe mentioned, we'd have iHeart, we have outreaches, and I'm sure everybody in this room has been involved in one way or another in some outreach. We've been doing them since March, <laughs> yeah, pretty much once a month. So we've had a little breather in between, but I'm just really aware that iHeart is coming really thick and fast um, now. And I really felt like the Lord wanted to bring his rest this morning as just before, it's like the calm before the storm, just to minister to our hearts this morning to teach us a bit about his rest and the, the importance of rest so that we can actually go into these events like I Heart the best that we possibly can um, instead of burning out in the process. And I have so many notes. <laughs> so yeah, it's been, it's been pretty nonstop for us. We've been constantly pushing forward, driving forward. We have a new building, which is really exciting, but everything's been pushing, driving, pushing, driving. And I just wanted to have a refreshing morning. And me and my big pastoral heart, if I could sit down with each of you and check in and see how you're doing and talk about <laughs> and pray and whatever I would, but I probably would burn out myself in the process, which is what I'm trying to not <laughs> happen with anybody in this room. So I think just doing a group check-in this morning. 
And listen, if you're here this morning and you're like, I'm not part of these, you know, big outreaches and I don't know if I do that much and this and that and the other, I really feel like the people who are here this morning is really significant for what he wants to do this morning. And that regardless of what kind of role you play in Journey Community Church in Downpatrick or just in your normal life, this all extends into the busyness of normal life as well. So you are here for a reason and I believe that he wants to speak to you this morning. So rest is paramount on so many different levels and God has such a huge value for rest and we can see Jesus intentionally resting in his life and in his ministry years especially. In fact, the Bible mentions rest 548 times and no, I did not check that. (laughs) So I'm taking them at their word. (laughs) Um, And I know we talk about holiday mode this time of year when we get to step away from work and businesses and relax in the sunshine and that is so, so needed. But what I want to try to instill in you this morning is little tips and tricks that you can also do when life is just crazy busy in the other times as well that you can reflect back on some things um, that you can actively do that will bring you some rest. And oftentimes we can see rest as a weakness, like, oh no, I can't stop. Um, I think Thomas mentioned last week, busyness is not a fruit of the Holy Spirit, but somehow we get caught up in this thing of I have to keep going, I have to keep pushing, I have to reach that goal, I cannot stop, I cannot stop. But pushing ourselves harder, harder instead of stopping earns us some badge of honor, but it's not actually like that. The Lord has a massive value for rest. But I'm here to try to shift that mindset in many different forms, both biblically and then through your lifestyle. It is a necessity. Rest is a vital part of running any good race with the Lord, any good organization or community, as well as in longevity. So, I'm a bit jealous of um, one of my dogs. I have two dogs and one of them seems to sleep like 60% of the time. And I mean, if anybody's a dog owner, you'll understand the like on their back, like legs akimbo, like absolutely um, knocked out. And I walk past him, I'm like, how do you sleep so much? Like, I actually don't understand. Like, why are you so lazy? Um, But he just knows what he needs, isn't it? He's just not fussed. He's just like, yeah, I'm just gonna go sleep. Maybe I need more rest. (laughs) But the other one, I have another dog who seems to be solar powered. I kid you not, has the most energy I have ever seen. He never stops. Um, My dad says that he's powered by the sun. You think he's tired and then the next minute he's like, go play again. So I could take some of his energy as well. (laughs) So I'm going to try to mold your mindsets about rest from all different angles and educate you on the importance of rest in its variety of ways especially when you're pulled in 13 different directions, as I know that many of us are. So me and my mathematical mind is going to split it into two main sections and then maybe something interactive at the end. And all of the people in my home group are like, oh, <laughs> I know what's coming. <laughs> uh, so the two main parts are our human need for rest and types of rest. And then the second one is the realization of true rest. So I think um, I'm going to show a slightly different side of me today. I know that... Um, um, into that as well. So, yeah. No, thanks for doing that. Get to know them. I know some of you are taking them out for lunch afterwards. And pick their brains. I know some of them will pick your brains as well. And help them out, you know. And, and really, you know, get behind them and so on as well as, as they get behind you. So I think I'll be really, really looking forward to that one. Um, 
We will have a couple of Antrim crew coming down as well, so you'll see a couple of those guys coming down over over the period of the week as well. So um, it'd be really good. Anyways, back to Jesus. Okay, always a good place to go back to. Um, the life of Jesus gives us a lot in terms of looking at as a model for how do we develop resilience in our lives. And Hebrews 12, uh, 1 to 3, and there's a lot of scriptures won't come up on, online just because it was a busy week, so they won't come up on the, on the screen. So if you've got a, a, you know, you can take notes of the scriptures if you want on your phone or, or a book, whatever you've got, and you can go uh, do a bit more study on it afterwards. So Hebrews 12, 1 to 3 says it perfectly. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life and faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily tra- trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Think of all of the hostility he endured for sinful people from sinful people, then you won't become weary and give up. It looks, Jesus, there is nobody who's graced this earth than who's endured as much stress, as much pressure, as much need for resilience than Jesus. If you think about it, he was the, the constant pressure, the criticism that he experienced publicly. You know, he was someone who was misunderstood daily. He was he had constant demands placed on him. There was so little privacy because he had 12 people trying to you know, get to him all the time, the multitudes. He had little privacy. There was people constantly trying to kill him. I mean, it sounds stressful, right? Anybody else think, Flip, I couldn't deal with that, you know? I just want to go to my, you know, my, my pour-over coffee shop and just read my Bible. I mean, that's the extent of you know, what we want to do, right? And when we look at this, we go, yet we see the life of Jesus with all of these pressures, he walked in a measure of peace that only you and I can strive for. He walked with a measure of calmness in his life that you go, man, he graced the room. He graced everywhere he went. And we know those people who it just seems like anybody know leaders in your life that they're like constantly bombarded with stuff and they just look like they're like a duck on water. It's like they're gracing the water. You're going, how are you doing that? Usually the trick is they're, 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 they're calm on the top, but underneath they're pedaling like mad, right? That's usually what we do as leaders. But Jesus was able to grace in a way that had so much peace, so much tranquility, and so much um, you know, stress-free life that I begin to see, actually, there's a lot that we can learn from him. And the first thing that, looking at the life of Jesus, that we can see as a key to being a resilient person is that we know who we're trying to please. That we know who we're trying to please. See, the idea of knowing who you're living for. Jesus knew what he was about and who he was living for. He knew the motivations for his life. It's the question of why do I do what I do? And when we don't figure why we do what we do out or who we're doing it for, then we will actually be prone to stress. We will open ourselves up to being living a stressed life. You see, Jesus said no one can serve two masters, right? And trying to please everybody is a definite sure way to being stressed. It is trying to please everybody is definitely a pure way to send you around the bend, to grow your gray hairs and to leave you, make you want to quit right off. Because the truth is, we can't please everybody, right? Whether you're a parent with your kids, whether you're a manager, maybe you're a new head of a department, whether you oversee a, 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 a group of people in a team, whether you're even a, a restaurant worker or a retail worker and you have customers, I mean, we can't please everybody, right? 
Because the thing is, when you get you please crowd A, you get them all pleased up and all cushy and ready, crowd B starts kicking off. And then you're like, what's going on? So you go to crowd B and they're kicking off and all, all of a sudden crowd A are offended, offended that you're not paying attention to them. I mean, you can't please two sides, right? But how many of you know that God didn't please everybody either? You think about it. On any given day, even maybe in this room, but any given day, there's someone praying for sun while a farmer's praying for rain. Or if you're in my house with my brother, you know, someone's praying for Liverpool to win while the other person's praying for Man United to win. And you're praying like the Bruce Almighty God and you're hoping God's going to answer the prayer. You can't please everybody, right? God's like, oh, I'll let Liverpool win. Well, honestly, like they can win on their own, let's be honest. But then all of a sudden, people who support Man United are all upset, right? And the reason being is because there's people have come with different expectations. I know even as, as a leader, or I know you, some of you, even as your own leaders, is actually you will always be disappointing someone. Not that we actively go out to disappoint people, by the way. If you do that, you might need to come see Anne or someone else, right? But when we, we have to know, I mean, I know there's people in here laughing because I've had conversations with you where you have employees and, you know, they think you're the worst thing ever. Is we will always, we have to surrender to the fact we will be disappointing people. Because people will come and have different expectations for us. Yet Jesus says uh, in he says this, I can't do a solitary thing on my own. I listen, then I decide. In other words, I listen to the Father, then I decide. You can trust my decision because I'm not going to get my own way, but only to carry out the orders given by my Father. That's a message translation. In other words, we have to know who we're trying to please. In everything we do, we have to know who we're trying to please. Now, it's not about being a one-person band, like I said. It's not about being rude. It's not about doing our own thing. But it means that we know in our heart of hearts that we're trying to do the right thing that God has asked of us. It's about having a virtue on the inside of us of obedience to go, okay, I'm in the best of my ability. Not, it's not about perfection, but it's about a heart posture of going, I want to do the thing that's called me to do. That's not always doing the nicest thing. Because sometimes we have to, you have to lead in, in the hard ways. And if we're trying to live, you know, we have to understand that we, we're trying to live to please God and not to try to please, people please others. And if we live life trying to please the whole time, then you're only going to get stressed. Why? Because how many of you know people can't be pleased? We're all too fussy. Anybody in the room fussy? Uh, well, no, there's a couple over here. You're honest. What about you guys? <laughs> Anybody fussy over here, right? Whether it's food or whatever it may be, or how 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 the, the worship service goes, how the you know how I speak, how you know your sausages were cooked, whether you like them burnt or not burnt, you know, right? Joanna's going to get a feedback at the end of the day, All right? But if we live life knowing that we're called to only please God and Him alone, then everything else will come along the way. That this is one of the reasons why Jesus, I believe, was so stress-resistant. Jesus, did Jesus experience stress? Well, we can, we can talk about the garden, but in terms of the way we would experience stress, no. He was the only trying to please one person. He lived for an audience of one. Actually, John 8, 29 says, And the one who sent me is with me. He has not deserted me, for I always do what pleases him. Not only was pleasing God the right way to live, but also it simplifies life dramatically. It actually makes life not easier. I'm not going to say that. I nearly did. It doesn't make it harder sometimes. But it simplifies life because we don't have to worry about pleasing others. In fact, we only please the one who's made us. 
Jesus never let the approval or the rejection of others lead his life. He lived for an audience of one, and he, like I says, knew that a man cannot serve two masters. That's Luke 16. So if you want to live a, 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 a resistant or a stress-free life, or a more resilient life, rather, is then you need to take a leaf from what the life of Paul says. In Galatians 1.10, he says, Obviously, I'm not trying to win the approval of people, but of God. If pleasing people were my goal, I would not be Christ's servant. I mean, I read that and thought, he does not mince his words. Let me say it again. Paul says, if pleasing people were my end goal in everything I did, I would not be Christ's servant. What does he mean? He's not aiming to be a people pleaser because then he couldn't truly get on with what God has asked him to do. Group A would be coming with their fussy demands. Group B would be coming with theirs. And sometimes, I'm going to even remove leadership because not everybody will believe they're a leader in the room. But as part of discipleship, all of us have to do things that people will not like us. We will have to make decisions. We will have to, you know, lead others or kids or, you know, share our faith in a way that actually isn't going to please a culture that are so anti against God. So people pleasing is one sure way. Actually seeking approval is going to be one sure way to lead you to burnout. But I want to, and I ask myself this, is how much do we seek people's approval every day? I mean, how much of our, in quote, unquote, happiness it's actually dependent on people's approval. See, whether it's trying to please a parent, actually for a lot of us sometimes we're trying to please a parent and they've been dead a long time ago. Whether it's trying to, you know, overcompensate with our kids, whether it's trying to please our boss. Now sometimes there's, there's responsibilities that we've got to do. That's not what I'm talking about. Sometimes you've got to do things and meet targets and goals. That's, that's a bit of a different, different side of things. But whether it's trying to please a spouse or, or, or please people or friendships, it's one of those things we gotta, we, we get very good at blaming others for our stress. Anybody good at like just blaming? Anybody ever do that? No, we wouldn't do that, would we? None of you would blame people, would you? None of you people blame me for anything or John Ash or anybody else in this church for anything, right? We wouldn't do that. Anybody ever have any conversations with yourself in the head with the other person? I like the conversation because you're going, but that's not right. You know, and you're, you realize, you're, why am I having a conversation with that person in my head? Like, that's just so daft. And we got to go have the conversation with them, right? That's what the culture of honor is, by the way. So if you're laughing, you need to go. You thought about somebody in your head you have to have a conversation with, you got to go do it, right? And I find in my own life, that comes up by my language. I must do this. I have to do this. There are some things we must do and we have to do. But if we listen to our internal dialogue, just as you're going about your day, whether you're going into the shop, whether you're going, you know, whether you're on a jog or whatever it might be, you're, you're sitting in your daily time, whatever it may be, just, just look at, you know, what are my thought life right now? What's my internal dialogue like? And we often use that type of language. And I found for my life is because we're playing the victim card. We're passing on the blame to others for our stress, but actually a resilient person knows Jesus knew that he has to take responsibility for our own lives. That by deciding that who we are going to live our life for. It's why Jesus settled this on the inside of him and he, that he knew that he was only trying to please the Father. See, people will never win with. God, we can. Now, obviously we all fall short and pleasing God is not about what we do. It's actually purely the heart of obedience. The only way we can please the Father is through the acts of obedience. It's not about the standard. You see, pleasing people will be about the quality of things. You know, Jesus is not looking about your quality, although he does want us to develop our craft and our skill sets. But Jesus is just looking for your obedience. 
A lot of us, we're looking, we measure our metrics, or we measure our success by the metrics of how well we do things. Jesus just is, is the metrics is, did you say yes to when I asked you to do something? But you're like, I fell flat in my face and I said something stupid. I tried to share my testimony with people this week and I asked them, you know, all sorts of random questions or I said something silly. And, and we, often, we often, you know, we judge the outcome and we do have to reflect on that. But actually God is going, you know, actually I just got to be obedient and that's how we please the Father. And the second thing then with that and on the life of mission is a resilient person, as we look at the life of Jesus, they knew their calling. They know their calling. I know this can be a jargon thing for a lot of people, but we, one sure way, I find even for me as I just reflected and, and I'm constantly trying to do this is, you know, one of the sure ways that we can develop res- resilience or reduce stress in our lives is by getting on with God, by getting around people who, are gonna, who, who hear from God and, and, and pray to God and figure out what are we called to do with our lives? What are we born for? What have we been put on this planet for? And I'm not talking about just being a missionary or you know, called to be a church leader, pastor, you know, in, in politi- politics and all sorts of stuff. No, everybody has a calling. It's not about just for certain vocations, but it's going, what, are you, what has God created you for? Now, a lot of you will already be doing that. A lot of you will already be in jobs and, and vocations, whether it's paid or not paid. You know, you'll already be doing that, but it's, it's a resilient person will know, this is what my calling is. Because when, when the busy times come, when the, the pressures from outside and others people come, you know, others, we find others, we're always very good at telling other people what they should do with their lives. And actually, we're not very good at going what we should be doing with our lives. Anybody, you know, I think that person should be doing this, this, and this, right? And we call it prophetic sometimes, but we're like, just, you know, because we don't want to look at what we, what we should be doing. But when we in busy times, when we in those stress times, know what we're called to do, and the requests come in, we know what God has called us not to do. A resilient person knows what they're called not to do. You see, how many of you know you can't fix everything? You can't do everything. Anybody heard the saying, you'll finish this sentence, okay? Finish this sentence for me. If you want a job right, do it yourself. Do you know that's not of the kingdom? I mean, I say that, I'm like, if I, I mean, I could probably, Hannah could probably quote the past two weeks I said that. If I wanted that done right, I should have just done it myself. No, that is the one statement that will lead you to a life away from resilience and into a ditch somewhere. And you will need people around you and the grace of God to pull you out of it, right? If you want a job, right? We say it so much, but actually no, because one, it's devoid of team, and two, it's a mindset. It's a perfectionist mindset. You know, if it's your responsibility and you've delegated to somebody else and it's not their responsibility they came in and you're like, you know, well, maybe you should have done it yourself. That's the perfectionist. I mean, come on, I didn't see how that came out there, you know. Uh, bad. Anyways, I'll go see Anne afterwards. <laughs> but when we figure out what our calling is, when we figure out what our business is, then we know what not to do. But then we can take the time to seek what God is our business. Yeah, what we'll know. Jesus knew exactly what his business was. He said in John 15 and John 8 uh, and 14 as well, he said, the son can only do what he sees his father doing because whatever the father does, the son also does. But I like this in John 8, 14. For I know where I came from and I know where I'm going. Jesus knew where he was coming from. He had a history with God, but also he knew where he was going. It wasn't just vision for his life. Because we often quote those without vision perish, but it's those without prophetic vision. You can have vision for your life and still miss it. Well, it's God's sovereign, so we'll take that. But 
It's prophetic vision for your life. It's, it's knowing what God's speaking about your life because we can have all the grand idea of what we do and it looks fantastic on paper. But how many of you know, I love, I love the story of Mary and Martha and there's a lot of uh, interpretations you can pull out of that. Mary's at the feet of Jesus. Martha's, we don't know what she's making in the kitchen, probably sandwiches, right? But how many of you know, and you know, uh, Martha's complaining at Mary because Mary's, well, there's a lot of great interpretations that Mary as a woman is in, uh, the, the men live in quarters, so how she was even overcoming all sorts of um, social barriers of the day, that's for another day. But Mary was spending time with Jesus. She was, she was pursuing the one she was called to follow while Martha's in making sandwiches. How many of you know you don't get brownie points for making sandwiches that Jesus didn't ask for? We don't get brownie points for doing the things that Jesus didn't. We have to spend time to go, God, what do you... Now, it's not like it's hidden in a rock a mile of miles away. You know, he will discover and he will unfold his calling to us. But Jesus lived a purpose-driven life. He knew where he came from and he knew where he was going. He lived on purpose for a purpose. How many of you know you've been created on purpose for a purpose? We can quote the scriptures where, you know, he formed you in your mother's womb. He knows the, the hairs in your head, all the things that, that make a significant life. But he created you on purpose. You just didn't, you know, you weren't just overflown from the pot of life that, you know, he was making a big bats that day and all of a sudden, you know, Hannah just popped in. You know, it wasn't, it was intentional. It was on purpose and for a purpose. And you are here today and God has created you. And I feel like this week, not only are we serving, but I really believe God is going to reveal to some of you what you've been created for, what, what you've been destined for. So many of you have been here and you've been walking around going, I'm trying to fix everything. I'm trying to dabble in all these 40 different things. I'm trying to help and please and do all these things. And you're burnt out and you're going, God, if this is what the life is like, I don't want it. You know you're called to thrive in life. Not always to have an easy life. That's not what I'm saying. But you're called to know what you're born for. Something that gets you out of bed every morning. You go, this is it. It's not something that is going to find easy. It will stretch you. It will pull you. Because Jesus knew where he was going. It was Jerusalem, by the way. He knew that he was, he was going for the cross that waited, that waited for him. But he knew where he was going. And so many of us lit, settle for living life, trying to just, that we end up unfulfilled. And a resilient person knows that when we seek the calling of God for our lives, where we then know the, the guided direction we're going to. And how many of you know your life will either be guided by fear or purpose, or vision, or fear. We know perfect love casts out all fear. Perfect love is a person. And this week, this morning, he wants to come and give you clarity about what he's called you to do, what, he, what he's asked you to do in life. It's not necessarily that you leave a job. No, it might be that actually, you know, I know some of you here have taken on roles and work lately. You're going, I don't know why on earth I would take that. My team are a nightmare. And you're having to try and, you know, lead them and grow them. And there's something about a, you know, is there a calling in that? And some of you are hungry to figure that out in this week because Jesus modeled what a purpose-driven life looks like. He modeled that we're not all called to do everything or we'll burn out, but we're called to do something. You're not called to do everything, you're called to do something. And we figure that out, we will stay on course. And Paul says that this in Ephesians 4, he says, as a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Like I said, it's not only people in church leadership or in, in, in ministry settings or you know, foreign missions that are, that are given a calling as such. 
Everybody does, whether you're a school teacher, an accountant, you know, a shop assistant, whatever it may be. But we have to ask every day, am I moving towards my purpose? And how do we figure that out? Well, am I moving towards the one who gives me purpose? If you're like, I've been searching, I've been here asking what God wants me to do and he's not telling me. Well, keep pursuing the one who will give you the purpose. And finally, just before we wrap up, another thing that Jesus models for a resilient life is we actually focus on what matters. That we take time to figure out where we're headed, knowing who we're doing it for, but with the security knowing that it's for his good, but we will, that will help us to avoid being sidetracked. That will help us from going down wee roads that you know, God will use, and God is powerful enough to recoup a lot of that. There will be no wasted time in the kingdom. But God wants to, to give us laser focus like I said, so many people want to give you a plan for your life. But we have to go, what is God's plan for my life? And do you know what I figured out? If the enemy can't get you to do something wrong, he'll just give you loads of good things to do. If he can't get you to do wrong, can't get you to sin, he'll just keep you busy doing the things, you know, that are just all sorts of worn out, trying to please people, trying to fix everything. And those could be good tasks. Now, I'm not calling that we throw everything to be about with the bathwater. But do you know there's a lot of good things that you shouldn't be doing? It's the art of procrastination. Anybody do all the really good wee menial jobs that you're like, actually, I could be much more effective, much more efficient if I could delegate those out and do the, thing, the main things that we were fine. And that's, that's part of, you know, leveling, not leveling up because I don't like that word, but that's part of maturing in, in, in leadership or in discipleship and, and, and stepping up to a greater capacity. That, that's what a part that means from going from infancy and discipleship to maturity to, to going, okay, how do, I, how do I become, see all of the, the, the baby step things, how do I then begin to go, how do I, you know, when God is faithful with a little, he gives you the much. And how do we then begin to, to expand our capacity? In Luke 9, 51, it says this. And it came to pass, when the time was coming that he, that he should be received up, he steadfastly set his face to Jerusalem. I love how the Living Bible says, it says this, as the time drew near uh, to return to heaven, he moved, stead, he moved steadfastly onward toward Jerusalem with an iron will. Jesus moved toward his destiny with an iron will, with a laser focus, with something so convicted on the inside of him. I just love that phrase. It's like something that can't be, it's like tough. It's something that can't be broken. It can't be uh, from outside pressures moved. Jesus knew what his life was about. He, he clarified his priorities for the next stage of his ministry, stating that, it, yes, it was time to head towards the cross that awaited him in Jerusalem but he said about it with an iron will. And that's how he was able to do it, through the power of the Holy Spirit, but through a laser focus. How many of you know you can't be an iron will if you're spreading yourself thin? If you're trying to, you know, an iron will is someone who knows what to say no to. Who here is good at saying no? No, not your spouse. But who here is good at being able to go, do you know what? Thank you, but no thank you. Sometimes there's really good opportunities that we're supposed to say no to because we wear ourselves thin and all of a sudden we're heading for burnout. He knew what he was called to do and it was set inside him. And we need to have that iron-like conviction and focus of what the life God's called us to. And so I'll invite the, the band back up. You see, for the baby, I'll finish with this, for the, the baby boomer generation, the biggest threat to spiritual life was weapons of mass destruction. Very real things that came out of the war, weapons of mass destruction. Do you know for this generation, 
the next biggest threat is weapons of mass distraction. We all have them. You may not have a, an iPhone or a whatever, you know, I'll not get into that debate. But we have things that are weapons of mass distraction. They're designed to keep your attention. And do you know what? Whether you think as much self-control you have, they're actually, they're actually good at it. But Jesus says in Luke 9, 62, he says, anyone who lets himself be distracted from the work I plan is not uh, fit for the kingdom of God. You see, just because we are free to do some things doesn't mean we should do it. And as we begin, we have to be ruthless at getting to remove the fluff in our lives. We have to be ruthless at, at removing the distractions, removing the unnecessary things that are draining our resources, but are ultimately stopping us from living a resilient life. As I reflected upon you know, the people in my life who, who maybe you know, aren't actively involved in a church or are no longer following Jesus at the time they were, I look back and I go, it's because they said yes to too many things. It's because they, they, they didn't know what they were about. You know, it was sometimes one week they were about this. I felt like God, you might have said this, but one week you're like, God's asked me to do this. And then six, week, six months later, God's changed his mind and you're, he's asked you to do something else. And we talked about it from James last week that, you know, uh, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. So this morning, if you stand, as we go back in, just as we go into this week, I feel like the Lord just wants to encourage you. He wants to show you, you know, yeah, just stand as we close up. Maybe you're here today and you're going, I need to know more about resilience. I need to know how I can stand the, the, withstand the pressures around me. Now, sometimes we have to leave those pressured situations. But you know the thing I found, and I'll go back to the, the thing I was talking about a couple of weeks back. Resilient people at the end of the day are so deeply rooted in community because we, are blind, we have so many blind spots. And so this morning, if there is a prayer ministry team, I'm going to invite them up. And these guys are going to close us in worship. And you may be here and you're going, I just need help to be resilient. I need help to be able to, to be someone that we can stand the pressures of life, to know what to say no to, and, and the, the Holy Spirit who will help you do that. And I'd encourage you, you're not going to get it on your own. You will not live a resilient life on your own. You will only be able to do that with people around you. But guess what? Perfectionists don't like to ask for help. Control freaks don't like to ask for help. Sometimes we've got to be humble because that's one of the things that resilient people will learn to do. Jesus displayed it. You know one thing that really strikes me? The creator of all the universe, Jesus, the one who saved us all, he needed a support network. He had a close inner circle. He did life with 12 people constantly. He never lived a life of isolation. He went to times of on his own, but he never lived a life of it. And we as resilience and we as a church, as we are reaching, as we sing those songs and we pray, we want to see the kingdom of God come. How can we grow people who don't know Jesus into resilient followers of him if we're not having got that iron will on the inside of us? So this morning, if you want to come and you want more of an iron will, maybe you feel you've got an iron will. Guess what? That could be strengthened. Maybe your life's not falling apart. That's okay. But come for prayer. We always need it. So Father, this morning, we thank you, Jesus, that you are perfect theology, your perfect psychology and emotionality of how we should live life. You're a perfect example, a model. And God, how you model life for us by the power of your Holy Spirit and the, and the power of community, you will lead us into that. That we would have an iron will to do the things you've called us to do. That when trials, testings, and hardship come, 
God, that we would stand and we would fight the good fight and we would run the race that you set before us. So Father, as a community, we thank you that we've got each other. We thank you that we've got your presence in this house. And God, as we go this week, we thank you that we, what stands against us will never prevail because when you lead us into it, God, we will see breakthrough. We will see a way where there was no way because you, you're the way maker. You will, you will pave a path in a way, God, this weekend and personal breakthrough will happen. We just declare personal breakthrough this week for every individual in this room in Jesus' name. Amen. confidence as you rest in me. For in this unbelieving world, you will experience trouble and sorrows but you must be courageous for I have conquered the world. We, like I said earlier, we see that Jesus sauntered, like that was sauntering, gosh. I think Wednesday was the national day of sauntering, so that's why it's in my mind. He did not saunter. Um, he lived the, the life that we base everything off of. He is and will forever be the most incredible person. And that peace that was in him, that kept him calm throughout all his ministry, that he could make educated decisions about their health and well-being and his own health and well-being, that peace that was inside of him is now inside of us as well. We can access that whenever we want to. The Spirit of God is another way we can find rest for our entire body. Isaiah 63, 14. Like a horse in open country, they did not stumble. Like the cattle that go down to the plain, they were given rest by the Spirit of the Lord. This is how you guided your people to make for yourself a glorious name. Like you can experience that anywhere. Anywhere. For those um, anywhere close to Rue Allen Gardens, I guess, definitely go. Um, there is a hill walk that they open in the summertime. It is a good, a good wee hike to get up there, but once you're up there, it's amazing. You can see the morns and everything, and then on the other side um, is all just the drumming and hills and everything. I think they said we could maybe see the Isle of Man. I can't remember, but it's incredible up there, and I love going up there when it's windy because it's so good because the presence of God, the Spirit of God can come in any way he wants to, and sometimes I encounter him through wind. And I think it's amazing just to stand there with your arms wide open and just feel like all the cobwebs blown off you and just feel all that like dross leave you. The Spirit of God does it instantaneously, but when we take ourselves to those places and we turn to him and we say, come, he always does, always brings us rest. So his presence is the true key to rest for our entire bodies because he is the one who created it all. I can split them up into three and give you insights into each one and that is good and you should do that. Epsom salt baths all around. <laughs> but at the end of the day, the only thing that's going to bring you rest in its entirety is, is the living God. He is the true key to rest. So as we go into I heart or we go into these things, I mean, actively, I would love everybody to be taking those intentional moments to rest in between where they can. But if we can't, you know, in that half an hour we have for dinner or whatever, to take those moments to be like, right, God, I need your patience. <laughs> I need your peace. I need your love. I need your gentleness. Who do you say I am today as we wake up every morning? taking those moments to breathe for a second, to let his presence flood into every part of your body and bring you rest. Matthew eleven twenty-eight to 30. 
says, are you weary carrying a heavy burden? Come to me, I will refresh your life, for I am your oasis. Simply join your life with mine, learn my ways, and you'll discover that I'm gentle, humble, easy to please. You'll find refreshment and rest in me, for all that I require of you will be pleasant and easy to bear. For me, nothing cuts through the haze and the heaviness and the busyness like the voice of God, especially when he's speaking about me to me. And what I really felt this morning, I was praying all week about what he wanted to do or say. As I lead prayer ministry, I have a huge heart for ministry and for all of you and for all of us to constantly encounter the God that loves you. So in saying that, as we have all of the craziness coming up and we haven't really stopped from March, I would like all of our leaders to stand. If you are a leader in Journey Down Patrick, please stand, all of you, up, up, up. And we love what we get to do. Oh my goodness, we love it. It's a blessing and it's an honor. It's so good. But sometimes, leaders, we just need a little bit of a refresher as well. So what I would like people to do is if you're near a leader, please just go to them, lay a hand on them, ask them if it's okay to lay a hand on them. And I just want you to speak into their life. Nothing is more refreshing than hearing the voice of God over somebody, over their life. So what I would love you to do is that when you gather around these mighty people and you lay a hand on them, just ask the Lord, like, what do you want to say to this person in this moment? And then just take a few minutes just to to pray over them, to bless them, to surround them. We have an incredible community. We are an incredible community. And I think it's amazing that we can come up and, and put our hands on you know, the back of people and be that backbone and that strength when we're spinning, spinning plates, spinning plates, and these people are, and you are, and we will get to that. But right now, let's just gather around our leaders. So let's just take a few minutes, go to a leader, pray for them, bless them. Please. And for the leaders that are not here, I would... Ask for all of us to be intentional with them. You know, Thomas and Hannah, Joanna, Janine, all of our leaders. That when you see them around, just affirm them. Tell them they're doing a great job because we all forget sometimes. Give them that hug. Just, you know, be praying for them. If you have a word for them or something you feel like God wants to say to them, then just do it. That would be great. So finally, I just want to chat really briefly um, about burnout. So what is burnout? Burnout is a state of physical and emotional exhaustion, usually through a long-term stressor. Common signs of burnout are feeling tired or drained most of the time, feeling helpless, trapped, and or defeated, feeling detached or alone in the world, having a cynical or negative outlook, self-doubt, procrastinating, taking longer to get things done, feeling overwhelmed. And just for the last few minutes of this morning, I experienced burnout myself. Um, And the Lord's so good in in all of his ways and what he does. But I launched my business a year ago 
um, and it's like pedal to the metal, you, you, do, you just don't. I really struggled in the beginning to try to find a work-life balance. You know, your mind's on all the time. I should be doing this, I should be doing this, I should be doing this. And it was great, and I kept going, kept going, kept going. January is probably the busiest time for my business because post-Christmas, <laughs> New Year's resolutions. And everything like that. So I was like, I'll take a break in February. That's what I'll do. I'll just take a break. I was launching a course. I was like, we'll just go. February came, round, left, and I still hadn't taken a break. And then it all, it all, you know, hits like dominoes, like dominoes do, and you find yourself in that moment that you're completely exhausted. I had no motivation to work on my business. I had probably everything that was on that list. And funnily enough, I actually ended up with the coronavirus. And it forces you to intentionally rest. <laughs> so I sat for, you know, a week doing very little. Lord is good in all of his ways. And I felt in that moment like, oh, wow, I actually, this rest was really great, but I actually needed to take it. And it was a wake-up call for me to be, to have that outlook on my life that I actually do need to stop, you know, getting sick all the time, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Your body, my body just needs rest. I know I was going to put a photo up today. I'd taken a photo once of me because I felt absolutely exhausted. I don't know why I took a photo in that moment, but that's fine. <laughs> you know, when you feel the bags under your eyes, I just walked my dogs, come back, and I was like, I'm going to work. House was quiet. I was like, I'm going to work all day. It's going to be great. And I couldn't do anything. I came back and was just completely exhausted. You know, burnout is a, it's a doozy but he can give you rest, so much rest. And so this morning, if you're feeling that way, if you're feeling at all exhausted or tired of life or burnt out or emotional exhaustion, it can come from anything. It doesn't have to be work. It can be relationships, family, you know, you know yourself. I just really feel like the Lord wants to minister to you so strongly this morning to try to shift some of that heaviness, that burnout, that fatigue. So instead of doing an altar call, um, we will have our ministry teams right at the end of service today. And actually, if the band want to come back up, that would be great. Um, so please, if you're feeling in those moments that you're exhausted, come up for ministry, get blessed, get prayed over. Just as we prayed over our leaders, please come get a fresh word or a touch from the Lord, because he, he never wants to leave you in those places. He never wants to leave you feeling tired and worn out and absolutely exhausted, nothing left to give. He gives life and life in abundance, so he wants to give you abundance of life this morning, and I fully believe that. So if you want to stand with me this morning... Father God, I thank you that in all of the parts of who you are, that rest is one of them, that you are rest, that you bring rest. Father, I thank you for everybody in this room this morning, Father, all the people that were meant to be here this morning. And Father, I just really pray that you would just be ministering to hearts, that you would just go so deep that people would feel that uh, lifting of burdens starting to come off their shoulders, off their hearts, off their lives this morning, Father. I pray you would flood into every little space, every corner, 
every little bit. Father, people would start to feel the tangible love of God that shifts everything, including exhaustion and burnout, Father. Father, where you are, we get to live life and life in abundance. So I pray that you would come in your abundant life this morning and that people would leave today feeling completely transformed, rejuvenated, refreshed and rested in your mighty, mighty and glorious name, Jesus. Amen.